0: got to tell you one of the reasons why I got into radio was I thought it would be fun and it's been that I have fun every day here and I enjoy it I enjoy being in here with the gang and I also enjoy talking to you out there and I love it when you talk back most times but anyway it's fun the other reason why I got into radio was I was just absolutely crappy at math so I kind of figured I got to figure out what I'm going to do career-wise how am I going to handle this so I decided to go into radio But there's an, you know, math scores with Canadian students continue their steep slide, according to a new international ranking that reinforces the the concern we have here about how the subject is taught in schools. And joining us to talk about that is a professor, uh, education, psychology at Western University, Daniel Ansari. Hello, Daniel. Welcome to the show. Hi, Bryn. Thanks for having me on. Uh, you know, you're not talking to a math uh, genius here today, right? Right off the top. Just want to make that perfectly clear. Got it. Okay, good. Hey, so so what's up with this? You've probably been looking at, at this study and, and you're looking at all the numbers. What's your take on it?
1: Yeah, so my take on it is that we're seeing alarming uh, rates of declining scores in math, reading and science across the globe. So right. Canada is by no means an outlier. The other thing that I'm seeing is that Canada remains in the top 10 Countries when it comes to math, it's, uh, the scores have been declining. They've been declining really steadily over the last twenty years. Um, but uh, we do see that you know we're the only country other than Japan from the G seven who's in the top ten. So um, whilst the scores are declining. Uh, um, Canadians uh, do fairly well in math compared to other nations. Uh, the other th- thing that I'm seeing in these data is that where the problems really lie is with the top performers. So you know we're having fewer and fewer 15-year-old students who are performing at the highest level in this study, the PISA study, the program for international student assessment. Um, another uh, piece that I would just briefly highlight is one of the success stories of Canada is creating equitable education systems mm-hmm. where all students you know, are afforded the same materials, the same quality of instruction, and we have less of these kinds of equity-related gaps than other countries do. So that's one piece of positive news. But we are seeing declining scores that are in line with what is happening in most of the world. There are few countries that are resilient. Those are primarily located in Southeast Asia, but most of the rest of the world is experiencing these declines and i think we have to take a very broad look at all sorts of things including instruction but not restrict ourselves to just focusing on the instructional part here
0: to uh, have a bad phrase here something doesn't quite add up i guess we're trying to figure out exactly why this decline is happening but you're right we're it's not like we're getting dumber or anything like that it's just that maybe some of the other countries are picking it up where we maybe are not but can we try to figure out what exactly that is over these last few years of this study
1: I don't think we have a single factor that we can use to explain why these declines are happening. I think this is a big puzzle that we're co- now that these data are in, we can do more analyses and try to understand what, what uh, predicts these declines uh, in educational achievement. Of course, one of the big factors that we have to take into account is uh, you know the pandemic that we all went through and right. the associated school closures. But it seems to be that the decline cannot be only be explained by, you know, the COVID-19 related uh, school closures, but that there are many other factors at play as well. We can also look towards those countries that are what uh, are referred to as resilient countries that are sort of bucking the global trends and are actually either improving or holding their math score steady. And we can look into their education systems and try to understand what's going on. But I don't think there's going to be a one size fits all solution to this problem or that we should only sort of focus on how math is taught and advocate that there need to be radical changes to that. I think they're big systematic issues because our math scores that are the main focus of the media right now are only one part of the PISA assessment. Reading and science are also affected. So we're seeing sort of global educational uh, decline in many countries. So who's doing things well? Could you tell us that? Yeah, they do tell us that, um, you know, countries such as South Korea, Singapore is number one, has been holding steady at number one. Okay. Uh, Japan is doing well as well. So th- these countries are, are leading the world when it comes to the mass achievement of 15 year old children.
0: Not saying that we're doing it poorly, but they're clearly doing it well. What, what do you think is the secret of their success?
1: Again, Bryn, I don't think there's one single factor. I mean, one of the things that has been highlighted is that in many of these countries, there's a big tutoring industry. Okay. So uh, many students uh, go and see math tutors for hours and hours. So that could be part of the puzzle. I think their investments in education and their investments in teacher professional development are quite stunning. Uh, I witnessed this myself having spent some time in Singapore and just looking at, for example, just to give you one example, the best uh, teachers, they ensure that the best teachers remain in classrooms and don't take up administrative positions. Okay. That is one uh, simple lever that uh, could be, uh, could be uh, used as well, you know, to, to really uh, structure the system in such a way that the most effective educators don't move on into administrative uh, positions but remain in the classroom but are adequately compensated for that decision to remain in the classroom. Um, so th- those are some factors. There's also some broad cultural factors as well. In Southeast Asia, math is valued extremely highly. It is, it is you know, we value literacy very highly here in North America. Right. Uh, but in Southeast Asia, I would say they value math more highly than they value literacy. So that's uh, that's not something we can necessarily change, but that shows you that the picture is very complicated and that cultural factors play a role here, too.
0: Now, you take a look at all these these numbers and everything. Do you get frustrated when you hear people saying, well, that's obviously the way we're teaching it? That, that seems like such an easy, that's the low-hanging fruit, isn't it?
1: that that might be part of the uh, equation, uh, but I don't think it's as simple as you know we we change the teacher the way we teach math and these scores are going to improve. I think we need to look at how students engage with math, how they relate to math, what relevance they see to math in their lives um, and 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 create classroom environments that uh, uh, essentially more math friendly as well for, for children um, and I think we do need to take a developmental perspective and understand that there are certain foundational competencies that children must have in order to be successful in math but I think we need to really look at the entire system within which math learning occurs and see what, what levers there are that we might be able to, to use to improve the state of affairs.
0: I have a 17 year old who's going through grade 12 right now so he and I have discussed this frequently now when I took math in grade 12, which was way back when tablets were actually tablets, uh, that was a long time ago, I was always kind of amazed that what I called traditional, uh, more uh, the kind of math that I would use every day, right, from uh, banking and writing checks and all that everyday kind of stuff. Uh, I just could never get to the next level and I always felt stupid because I couldn't get there how do we make it so that uh, we have the basic understanding of math and then we take it to the next level how do, how do we make it so that it's fun for everybody is that might that be one reason or one way we can maybe turn this around a little bit I'm asking you to kind of surmise a little
1: yeah I, I think so I think we can definitely uh, do things in that space I think um, you know the, we need to also recognize that the, what the pisa study assesses what this assessment that is in the media now right. assesses is not necessarily what is happening in schools but how prepared students are for their everyday lives right. so i think integrating things such as financial literacy integrating elements of data science and coding that already many provinces are doing those are really important steps but the the effects of the education policies of today and even 4 years ago are probably not going to be reflected in those course well into the future so uh, there's also a bit of wait and see here but I think there's a lot of thinking about how can we make math more relevant how can we make math accessible to all students Um, I think there's a lot of good thinking around that but it's not necessarily an easy fix Uh, uh, there's lots of different approaches to this well one of the areas
0: of expertise for you is math education does it uh, does it bother you when we say we got to make math fun we have to make it so it's enjoyable so there's a big challenge does that bother or do we just have to just keep our head down and plug away
1: I think I think a bit of both you know I think there are ways in which you can make math enjoyable while at the same time focusing on the central uh, competencies and skills that students need to acquire I right. don't think Uh, We can make it all entertaining, uh, but we can find ways of making it engaging and making the experience of mathematical success something that students enjoy, right? Because that is really what drives motivation is when you experience success in learning. And um, good teachers do that every day, but how can we help new teachers who are less experienced find ways to to get their students engaged and get their students that that rewarding feeling of mathematical success.
0: Daniel, if somebody wants to maybe find out more on this, how can they track you down? Is there a website where they can find out the survey results? Uh, what do you suggest?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you if you want to learn more about PISA, just Google OECD. PISA, P-I-S-A. If you want to find out more about my work, uh, my website is numericalcognition.org. And uh, yeah, but all of the PISA data is also public. So if people want to actually play with the data, they can download it and, uh, and, uh, and start looking at it themselves.
0: Thanks for your time today. It's all adding up now for me, and I appreciate your time. Brent, Thanks very much. Have a good day. All right. There you go. Daniel Ansari, who is a professor at Western University, specializes in education, psychology and math education is a big thing for him. You can obviously tell he's got the passion for it. No, uh, no denying that.